baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. I'm Heather Vale, and you're listening to the Odyssey Las Vegas Public Affairs Show. Joining me is Randy Escamilla, Public Information Officer for the Nevada State Contractors Board. The board's holding their fourth annual Hammers and Hope event during National Women in Construction Week. This free event is geared towards highlighting construction industry career opportunities for women. Randy, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having us, Heather. We're glad to be here. So for those who aren't familiar, what is the Nevada State Contractors Board? So the Nevada State Contractors Board is the regulatory agency that licenses contractors. So in the state of Nevada, if you're going to do any type of contracting, you have to have a license. Now, it could be a plumber's license, it could be a welder's license, it could be a general contractor, but any type of work involving construction and contracting requires a license. That is the law here in the state of Nevada. So what the Contractors Board does is it, it enforces that law. It really upholds the industry, if you will, to make sure that contractors are doing what they're supposed to be doing. And also it, it protects consumers on the other side so that consumers are really getting what they paid for. Okay, awesome. So when was the Nevada State Contractors Board first established? It was established in the 1940s, and it has grown to today we have more than 17,000 licensed contractors in the state of Nevada. As you know, uh, here in Las Vegas, Las Vegas is just growing by leaps and bounds. And so Every day we are receiving new applicants to get a license. So there's a, it's a very rigorous process to get a license. We don't just hand them out. They don't just pay a fee. Anybody who's interested in becoming a contractor has to pass an exam so that they can prove to our license team that they know what they're doing when they're, say, for doing plumbing. So when you have a plumber in your house, we make sure that, that he or she is certified to do the work that they're supposed to be doing. Cool. Okay. So tell us about the Hammers and Hope event coming up on March 8th. Hammers and Hope is very, very exciting. So in honor of National Women in Construction Week, the Nevada State Contractors Board, along with the College of Southern Nevada, the Cheyenne Campus, will hold the 2024 Hammers and Hope event geared towards introducing and highlighting the many construction industry career opportunities for women. And I want you to know that we are looking for female high school and college students, women in the community with a particular focus on women in need of employment opportunities. So that's our target audience here, Heather. Okay. What sorts of construction industry jobs are available for women? So that can vary from anything to welding, plumbing, general contracting. It is unlimited. So we know that women can do the same types of jobs that men can do. And, and men don't have uh, exclusivity to that. 
So to broaden the pool, there are more and more women who are entering the contracting field. And this is just another avenue to provide that. Uh, women can make just as good a living as men in joining the contracting workforce. And this is a great opportunity to find that niche. And, and there are many women who really enjoy the contracting field. So this is just an event to let women know what's available. And then who knows, they could land a job. So that's, that's all part of the excitement here. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So why do you think more women don't pursue construction jobs? I think a lot of it probably has to do with, you know, construction is seen as a male-dominated field, and that's what men do. And so along those social lines, you know, it, it has been dominated by men. But I think as more and more as we evolve, we will see more women in construction fields. I know I came from, I just moved from Texas and in the school district where I worked, there were women who were definitely interested in welding and automotive technology. Now, automotive is not part of the contractor's board, but definitely welding is one of those professions. And so they were very good and, and loved that opportunity. So here in Nevada, the field is wide open and, and women can do anything that men can do. Nice. Okay. What are some of the breakout sessions and mentorship opportunities that are available at the Hammers and Hope event? So Hammers and Hope is going to have three very, very distinct components. The first part is going to be the Inspiring Professional Women panel discussion. So it'll be a panel of professional women who are in the industry, and they're going to talk about how they got into their roles in the company. They will share compelling stories on their own background that relates to the pursuit in uh, the construction career. And they'll also demonstrate the various positions and skill levels They'll share what types of positions are in high demand right now and what employers are looking for, and then follow up by what next steps can attendees do who are interested in the construction and trades industry field. After that panel discussion, there will be a breakout session so that attendees can go to different tables and really interact with female mentors. It will be at that point, Heather, that the attendees can just ask, you know, hey, how would I get into this field? Say they want to go into plumbing or any type of trade. How can they break into that where they have some type of interest? And then from there, they will be able to go to a, a job connection fair. So there will be at least 15 tables of businesses and, and business owners who will be able to talk to the females at this event. And perhaps we will find some women will end up leaving with a job. So, I mean, anything is possible. So should they come with resumes, business cards? Definitely come with a resume if they're looking for a job. And, and even if they don't, I, I want to say this because not everybody has a resume, but even if they don't have a resume, Come prepared, come with your enthusiasm and your desire to work. If you're interested in going into the construction or contracting field, just come with your enthusiasm and shine, bring your best to the table and be your best. You know, sometimes one of the skills that we're going to talk about at the tables and the table breakout sessions is really how to interview for a job, that the job interview really begins before you walk in the door. And so sharing how to land an interview, 
how to create a resume. These are also very important topics that maybe somebody may not be ready to start working yet, but it will help them as they consider entering the contracting field. Nice. Okay. So we know it's on Friday, March 8th, but what's the time and place for Hammers and Hope? It is Friday, March 8th from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. So it's a three-hour event. It will be at the College of Southern Nevada. And I want to say this, that the college here, the Cheyenne campus in the Whitley Lounge on East Cheyenne has been very, very enthusiastic and a very good partner with the Nevada State Contractors Board in hosting this event. So this event is free. We do know there will be high school students, college students, and we really welcome the public to come and explore these opportunities because it's valuable. And, you know, to explore your interest is what this is all about. And there are many females who have expressed interest in this. And so, for instance, we know that there will be more than 100 high school students there who are interested in going into the trades industry. So that in itself tells us that getting back to your original question, women are choosing to go into contracting more and more. Yeah, that's fantastic. Okay, so if someone's interested, where can they go to learn more, first of all, about the Nevada State Contractors Board in general, and specifically the Hammers and Hope event? If you're interested in the Nevada State Contractors Board, Google us. It's the easiest thing to do. Nevada State Contractors Board. All the information is there on how to become a licensed contractor, the step-by-step process to becoming a contractor, and also the do's and don'ts. You know, one of the things we focus on licensed contractors, but the, the reality is, is every day we receive complaints from people who have been scammed by unlicensed contractors. And it is against the law in the state of Nevada to operate as a contractor if you don't have a license. So there are criminal penalties that can be imposed upon people who are working as unlicensed contractors. But all that information is on the website, NSCB. Go to the Nevada State Contractors Board website to find out that information. Now, if you are interested in attending the Hammers and Hope event, Just send us an email at panels, P-A-N-E-L-S, panels at nscb.state.nv.us. And lastly, if you're not able to get that email to us, just show up Friday, March 8th at 10 o'clock at the College of Southern Nevada, the Cheyenne campus and the Whitley Lounge. Just show up. It's free. And uh, we will also have some definitely some snacks for everyone who attends. Okay, awesome. So once again, the fourth annual Hammers and Hope event is happening on Friday, March 8th from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. It's at the College of Southern Nevada's Whitley Lounge on the Cheyenne campus, 3200 East Cheyenne Avenue in North Las Vegas. It's all for National Women in Construction Week. So it's specifically geared to women who want to get into construction or contracting And if you want to find out more information, you can go to the Nevada State Contractors Board website, nscb.nv.gov. That stands for Nevada State Contractors Board, nscb.nv.gov. And if you want to find out more about Hammers and Hope, you can email them panels at nscb.state.nv.us, panels at nscb.state.nv.us. 
And we've been speaking with Randy Escamilla. He's the public information officer for the Nevada State Contractors Board. And Randy, I want to thank you so much for being here and letting us know more about the board and also about the free Hammers and Hope event coming up during National Women in Construction Week. I'm sure a lot of listeners weren't aware that there were so many opportunities for women in construction and the fact that you're having this free event is just fantastic. So Randy, thank you so much for being here and sharing with us today. We are very excited and thank you, Heather, for having us. Want to make a difference in your community? Volunteer with your local fire department. Operational and non-operational opportunities are available and training is provided. Learn new skills, meet new people, and make an impact. Visit makemeafirefighter.org. I'm Heather Vale, and this is the Odyssey Las Vegas Public Affairs Show. Joining me is Latoria Kern, founder and executive director of Family Arts at Whaler's Creation. The local nonprofit is focused on family, which stands for foster, adopt, mentor, and investing in lives of youth. And they're hosting the fifth annual Youth Awards soon. Latoria, thank you so much for being here today. You are quite welcome. Thank you so much for inviting me. So what exactly is Whaler's Creation? So let me start with this humble beginning. Whaler started when I was in grad school in Anchorage, Alaska, because of a young lady walking into my office who wanted to go to school. I was working in the admissions office and she wanted to go to school and didn't have a high school diploma or a GED. So I started working with her, mentoring her and found out that she was a foster youth living on the streets in Anchorage, Alaska, and wanted to make a difference in the kids who were living on the streets in Anchorage, Alaska. So we just started connecting them with services in Anchorage. And we created a program called CRYS, C-R-Y-S, and it stood for Community Referral and Youth Services. So from that young lady walking into my office until 25 years later, here I am still advocating, mentoring, and developing job opportunities for kids. So, you know, she changed my life. I have no idea what she's doing today, but because she walked into my office and there was an unbelievable need for kids, that's when I got my first start with being an advocate for kids in care. So prior to that, you had no connection with foster kids? No, no, no. I I lived in a community, a small community. Everybody, you know, belonged to their families. No, I did not. Wow. Okay. So I know you like to use acronyms. What does Whaler stand for? (laughs) I do like to use acronyms. So Whaler's are the initials of the individuals in my life who influenced me and encouraged me and taught me how to give and care for other people and to be a voice in a community. And I learned from these individuals who are my parents and grandparents. They are the initials of my parents and grandparents, and I am their creation. Wow, that is fantastic. I love that. (laughs) (laughs) Now, what about the family arts part? So Family Arts is the name of our programs and services, Foster, Adopt, Mentor, Investing in Lives of Youth. Our programs are basically focused on providing job skills training for kids in care and out of care. So young people between the ages of 14 to 24 are able to be a part of our programs. The focus started out with just foster youth and we emerge into working with all youth between that age group. And I have to give a lot of credit to a conversation that I had with Judge Sullivan when I first came to to Las Vegas. And he was the one that told me, take off foster. These are just kids. And I heard that loud and clear. And so because of the conversation that I had with him, 
I decided that, you know, we don't have to do just foster youth because a lot of times when you have programs and they're programs specifically geared towards a certain population, kids don't necessarily want to be a part of it because they don't want to be stigmatized as they are a part of that particular group. So we take off foster and now we just say youth. And if you're 14 to 24, you're able to be a part of that demographic. So we started out with foster youth because that was the need. I was a foster parent and I started working with the foster parent association. And so with working within the foster parent association, the kids that we worked with, the kids that we were fostering, kids that we were providing parentship for were all foster youth. And that's how we started in Washington, D.C., working with foster kids only. Okay. So you started in Alaska, then Washington, D.C., and now Las Vegas. That's correct. Wow. It's been all over the place. <laughs> I know. I know. Montreal, Canada is in there too. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm from <laughs> Toronto. So that's oh, sweet. All right. So you've talked about how great the organization is and the great work that you do. Now, how does Whaler's Creation compare to other youth-focused nonprofits in the Las Vegas Valley? Well, I think everybody that's working with kids, everybody that has a, a, an attention and a dedication to working with kids is doing a fantastic job. When I first became a foster parent here in Vegas, I received a lot of kids who were being trafficked. And so that's a major concern for me. We work a lot with job skills training, preparing kids to be ready for that independent life. And I think what makes us maybe perhaps a little bit different is that we work with the employers and we, in working with the employers, we are ensuring almost, you know, a high percentage of the young people that come through our job training program will be connected with an employer. We just got word that we will be able to do assessments for these young people, which that is a super exciting part. And the assessments that we um, just got a grant to do isn't just for youth, it's for all ages. Our particular focus is youth, but anybody that wants to be assessed will be able to get an assessment from us and we will be able to help identify the very best job skill or the very best job um, that would fit their skills and help them be connected to those employers. Wow. Okay. Fantastic. So tell <laughs> us about the fifth annual youth awards that you have coming up. So excited. Yeah. So we've done this for four years in Vegas and this is our fifth year. And in doing the Youth Awards, we just simply acknowledge young people doing well in our community. We want to praise them. We want to honor them. We want to, you know, brag about them. And so this is our first year because all the other years that we've done this, we've always had it indoors. And kids come dressed up, you know, young people come in tuxedos and suits and gowns and dresses, and they look so pretty. And, you know, it's, it's a nice, nice, nice event for kids. This year, we are bringing it outside. We're taking it to the community. So we're calling this one our Community Barbecue, Youth Awards Community Barbecue, where we are inviting the entire community to come and enjoy hot dogs, hamburgers, you know, barbecue food, and to see these young people be honored. And we ask the adults in, in the young person's lives to nominate them, to nominate a young person who you deem is worthy of being honored. And you can go on our website and, and download the application, or you can just email me 
and we'll send you the application. It's very simple. You know, why are you nominating this young person? And the really cool thing is when you nominate them, I don't get to see, I don't get to read the nominations. I have a committee of folks to read the nominations. They read why this young person is being nominated and they score it on a scale of one to 10. And when they add up all the scores, the person who has the highest score is the one that will receive an award. And we honor kids in four different categories. And if there's a tie, they do it again and reevaluate their thoughts. But we do it until we have a one winner from each category. We haven't had ties because of, you know, we want one winner from each category. The young people that are nominated, they do know that they have been nominated but they don't know who won until it's announced at the awards. <laughs> awesome. so it's, it's our little sneaky way of doing like the Academy Awards or the Oscars or any, you know, something like that. That's where the idea came from. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. What are the four categories? So they're the art, academics, sports, and civic engagement. Okay. And then when and where is the actual award ceremony happening? So the actual ceremony is going to be at the Helen Meyer Community Center. That's a Clark County Community Center. You can just always Google it, but it's the Helen Meyer Community Center, and it's here in Vegas. More like the Silver Springs area, that's more the area that it's in. Okay, and what's the day and time? So it is on March the 9th, Saturday, March 9th from 12 to 3. And what we like about the Helen Meyer Community Center is that they have lots of things for you to do. There is a playground for kids and for the, the kid at heart adult. <laughs> there is a baseball field. There is a basketball court. And so we're hoping that, you know, everybody's going to want to come out and participate in basketball. And, you know, maybe we can get some three on three basketball games going on or something. But there's the basketball court. And then there's, you know, a, a nice outdoor facility, restroom. And I have my beautiful daughter who will be coming down from Baltimore to MC the program. You know, she's she's a foster adopted youth who has just made me so proud, you know, being titled Mrs. Vietnam, D.C., one in the Baltimore American Miss, whatever that title was. And now she works for the state of Maryland as the um, incumbent for foster youth. So she's just a phenomenal young person that's coming in to host this event for us. And we're super excited about that. Nice. That's awesome. Okay, now Whaler's Creation is also raising funding to provide housing for Las Vegas youth. Exactly. Absolutely. So we're having a capital campaign right now. And our crowdfunding campaign is to help us raise money to buy houses for our young people so that when a young person ages out of foster care and or if a young person is ready to leave home, but they still need a little bit of support and ready to move into their own apartment building, their own space. The crowdfunding is to help us you know, raise enough money that we can buy homes for these young people and, and give them the support that they need as they are venturing out to be independent. So to live independently or aging out of care, we want to be able to provide housing for these young people. Wow, that's fantastic. Yeah. Okay. So you've got a lot of stuff going on. You're doing a lot of great work in the Valley. If Thanks. people want to find out more, first of all, find out more about Whaler's creation in general, 
find out about your various events, maybe nominate a youth for the Youth Awards, volunteer, or make a donation to the crowdfunding campaign. How do they do all of those things? So you can visit us at Wayless Creation on all social media platforms. Um, you can always send us an email. The email is admin at whalers-creation.us. And then you can always call the office 702-235-5490. 702-235-5490. Okay. And then the website itself is whalers-creation.us? Exactly www.whalers-creation.us. Perfect. Okay. So once again, the main website, whalers-creation.us, that's W-H-A-L-E-R-S-creation.us. If you want to send an email, it's admin at whalers-creation.us. You can phone 702-235-5490. 702-235-5490 or find Whalers Creation on social media at Whalers Creation. Now the fifth annual Youth Awards is coming up on Saturday, March 9th from 12 to 3 p.m. at the Helen Meyer Community Center. And if you would like to nominate a youth for that, you can do that through the website or by emailing. You can also make a donation to the crowdfunding campaign to help them raise funds to provide housing for Las Vegas youth and find out about all the other things that Whalers Creation has going on. And once again, that's at whalers-creation.us. And we've been speaking with Latoria Kern. She's the founder and executive director of Whalers Creation. And Latoria, I want to thank you so much for being here and letting us know about the amazing work that you're doing with these kids and so many different programs you have to create a better future for them. So I appreciate you doing the work and I appreciate you sharing it with us here today. So thank you so much. You are amazing. Thank you so much for the invitation. We really appreciate it. When I was younger, I may have did some stupid things, even committed some crimes, but I am not a criminal. Youth Advocate Programs is a community-based alternative to youth incarceration, congregate placement, and neighborhood violence. Learn how at yapinc.org. This is the Odyssey Las Vegas Public Affairs Show. I'm Heather Vale, and I'm speaking with Spencer Evans, Special Agent in Charge at the Las Vegas Division of the Federal Bureau of Investigation, or FBI. There are some new scams making the rounds, and many of them are on the rise here in Las Vegas, as well as across the country. Spencer, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me, Heather. Pleasure to be here. Okay, so first of all, we've all heard of the FBI, but what does the Las Vegas Division do? So the FBI has 56 field offices throughout the United States and its territories. We cover the state of Nevada and nothing but the state of Nevada. And we're covering all the different investigative and intelligence programs of the FBI throughout the state, keeping people safe from everything from terrorism to cyber crimes to public corruption, civil rights, the whole spectrum of FBI operations throughout the entire state. Wow, that's awesome. Okay, so what are some of the new scams that people should be aware of? So one of the ones that we're talking about a lot these days is something that's got a strange name. It's called pig butchering, and it's basically just a new age twist on an old romance scheme. 
So what happens is if you've ever gotten a random text message or WhatsApp message or on an online profile, somebody out of the blue has hit you up that makes it seem like they know you, this scam is designed to build somebody's confidence and develop an online relationship, usually over several weeks or months. And the goal of the scam is to eventually build enough trust that the criminal on the other end of that text message or, or I am or whatever other message they're using is going to try to get you to invest in a cryptocurrency scheme that will look very sophisticated and realistic, but is in fact a scam. Okay, so how is it different from standard catfishing scams? It's different in the sense that this is a long con, is what we call it. In other words, the bad guys are playing the long game. And so they will spend a lot of time building this long-term relationship with someone who might be lonely or they feel like they've got a budding online romance with somebody that they met on a dating website, for example, or a dating app. And the whole goal of it is to build this relationship so that then they can introduce you into an opportunity to make money. And you've already got enough trust in this individual that you feel like, you know, you're willing to listen to what they have to say. And that's when they transition you into the next phase of the scam, which is getting you to invest usually small amounts of money first and what is going to be a very realistic looking cryptocurrency website. And you might see over time that the money that you're investing is making these kind of fabulous returns. And this is why it's called pig butchering, because what this, the bad guy is doing is they're fattening up the pig, the victim, so to speak, until they can make the kill, which is that they've got enough money out from your grasp that then they have no more need for you and they discontinue contact with you. Wow. Okay. Now, often scams prey on emotions, first of all, which obviously applies here because we're talking about making the victim feel like they're falling in love. But often scams also use a sense of urgency. Is there an urgent component to this one? No, that's one of the things, Heather, that makes this scam a little different is usually people can detect a scam because there's that sense of urgency of you need to buy now or I need you to do something right now. The reason why pig butchering is often so effective is it very well could be months before the subject even brings up, you know, any sort of cryptocurrency, any before they want you to do anything. They're just going to be friendly and they're operating off of the premise that they're interested in the same things that you are. And it really seems like this kind of budding friendship or relationship, which is why it takes people in because they don't want anything from you and they're willing to engage in these long conversations over many weeks or many months. Interesting. Okay. Now, normally, of course, scammers are hoping that we won't stop to think things through logically, which is why they do often have that sense of urgency. And I can see that, you know, introducing that romance element also kind of removes a little bit of the logic from the equation. But then how do we spot the scam when it's happening if it doesn't have those normal red flags that we're used to being told to look for? Yeah, it's a great question. So there's a couple of usually telltale giveaways. One is if you get contacted out of the blue and you're not looking to contact anybody else, if you get that random message on your phone or on, on WhatsApp or some other application out of the blue, a lot of times it might even seem that it's made for somebody else. It'll say, hey, it's been a long time since we've talked or I miss you, my friend. 
that's usually a giveaway that it's not just an innocent wrong number because if you respond and that person then wants to engage you in conversation, it's highly unlikely that a complete stranger that has a wrong number now wants to strike up a budding friendship or romance with somebody that they erroneously contacted. The other thing that we see like on dating websites is, and I hate to say it this way, but if somebody out of your league is all of a sudden expressing a lot of interest in you randomly, and you don't normally have that sort of track record or history, you know, think about it, you know, a, a middle-aged or elderly male who all of a sudden an attractive, you know, Asian female who's young, who's sophisticated, all of a sudden is taking an interest in him. If that's not the normal sort of person that is taking interest in you, that should be a, a warning sign. And so, uh, you know, the other thing that we say is once you do have this friendship or relationship with somebody, if the business proposal that they have for you, the cryptocurrency or whatever it is they want you to invest in, if the returns are too good to be true, the old adage is it's, that's probably the case. If it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. And so what these scams rely on is people, you know, suspending kind of a reality and wanting to believe that somebody this attractive, this friendly, this interesting could be interested in them and that this person that's a new friend or a new online romance really does have a better way to make money than everybody else. That's really what it hinges on. Okay. Now, when you're talking, all kinds of questions are coming up. So I can see how if someone contacts you out of the blue, like a random text message, a random instant message, whatever, that I would take with a grain of salt. But if I'm actually on a dating website looking to meet a partner, and let's say that person's not out of my league, what would be the red flag there that would let me know, you know what, this is not a real person, this is a fake person? Yeah, so in that case, it might just be some of the more common sense questions like anybody that you meet online that is perfectly interested in everything that you ever, you know, talk about might be, seem a little strange. That's one of the telltale signs that we sometimes see in pig butchering is because they're going off of such scripted responses, the criminals that are doing this, that they're, they're too good of a friend, too interested in you. They, you know, it, it almost seems kind of surreal. They would never want to have a uh, telephone conversation with you or FaceTime you or have you know, any sort of that real-time communication because it's not really a person that can match the profile photos or speak the, to the same things that you've been discussing in this dialogue. And so things that would seem like the normal next course of kind of communication with a regular person is not something that these bad guys would ever want to engage in. Okay. Now, when you're talking about if something seems too good to be true, it probably is. You know, we've all heard that. That totally makes sense. But when it comes to cryptocurrency, it's relatively new. And I think a lot of people still don't understand it completely. And they've seen cryptocurrency millionaires who were, you know, created overnight because the price of that cryptocurrency went up and that kind of thing. So they might not know what's too good to be true when we're talking about cryptocurrency. What kind of advice would you have around figuring that out? Yeah, I, w I guess what I would say is people need to, like any speculative investment, do some independent due diligence to make their own decision about whether or not it's legitimate. So one of the ways that these scammers take advantage of people is that the websites that they direct you to, the currency trading platforms that you're going to use, they're all controlled and created by the scammers themselves. And so one of the best ways to avoid falling for a scam is independently seeking out through search engines, through reputable sources, 
independent information about that particular cryptocurrency or that opportunity so that you can assess and make your own decision about whether it's a good investment and not rely exclusively on the links and the websites and the bona fides provided to you by the scammers themselves. Okay, awesome. Now, once we know or at least suspect that we're dealing with a scammer, how can we protect ourselves? So there's a couple things that we recommend that people do. If once people recognize, hey, this is not legitimate, that's the time that we want to encourage people to call the FBI. And there's a couple different ways you can do that. You can pick up the phone and dial 1-800-CALL-FBI. That's the national intake number for the FBI's National Threat Operations Center. But a lot of these, because they're cyber scams, we simply encourage people to go to our website, which is www.ic3.gov. That serves as the intake for all cyber threat and scam information across the entire world. And what they do there on the receiving end of that is compile the different complaints that have been received so that they can identify the criminals on the other side of these emails or text messages. Okay, so that's I like the letter I, C the letter C, and 3 the number 3? That's right, IC3.gov. Okay, perfect. Now, what happens if we do fall prey to a scam and it's gotten past the point where we suspected it and reported it, but we've actually been scammed and lost money? So now is where time is of the essence. In some cases, depending on how quickly a victim reports it to the FBI, we can take certain measures to reclaim some of those funds, especially when it's cyber currency, cryptocurrency. There's ways that the FBI has with our partnerships and authorities where we can get back some or all of that money if it's reported to us in a timely fashion. Unfortunately, though, Heather, what we oftentimes see is that somebody comes to the realization that they've been scammed long after they've been you know, sending this, these funds and it's too little too late to be able to recover it. But even in that case, we encourage any victim of a cyber fraud to always report it to the FBI so that we can take every measure possible to help create restitution for that victim or identify and investigate the bad guys who are taking their money. Okay. And when you say time is of the essence, what kind of time frame are we looking at where you could realistically recover the funds? Within a few days is the general answer, but it really depends on the mechanisms used for how the money was being transferred, what sort of bank account it came out of. There's a bunch of variables. But when I say time is of the essence, sometimes it comes down to hours of someone saying, hey, I need to get this money back or, or days. And even then, it's going to be potentially limited based, again, on the mechanism that was used, where the subjects are having the money transferred, what sort of bank account, whether it took place over a weekend. There's a variety of other factors that sometimes come into play. Okay. Now, I'm assuming that with pig butchering scams, just like with age-old confidence scams, sometimes the victim, when they do figure it out, they might be embarrassed and not even want to admit that it happened, let alone to report it. So what would you say to someone who's feeling that way? That's exactly right, Heather. We see this frequently, especially with some of our more elderly or vulnerable victims. They feel foolish. They're you know, embarrassed to admit that they were having some sort of online relationship. In some cases, they may have received pictures you know, that, are, uh, that were represented to be something that they're not, and they really kind of feel this sense of shame. We encourage anybody, we see this all the time, 
It's nothing to be ashamed of. Very sophisticated individuals fall for these scams. And so it's, it's nothing that, you know, should make anybody feel singled out. We can only help if we know about it. And so a lot of times we are talking to, you know, grandchildren or children of elderly parents or caregivers and encouraging them to talk to those who are the most vulnerable so that we can get the word spread and so that people feel more comfortable reporting it to us. We will treat them like the victim that they are. There's no shame associated with it. We just want to help people. Perfect. Okay. Now, you mentioned the website where people can go if they want to report a scam or a suspected scam, but where can people go if they want to find out more information about scams and how to spot and avoid them before they happen? So the FBI's website, fbi.gov, actually has all kinds of great information about the wide variety of different threats that we investigate. So this includes cyber fraud and the different sorts of schemes that are out there. There's information about identity theft and lots of other ways that Americans can keep themselves safe. Perfect. Okay. So once again, FBI.gov is the website to go to if you want to find out more information about scams that are making the rounds, how to spot them, how to avoid them, FBI.gov. And if you have unfortunately been targeted by a scammer or fell victim to a scammer, IC3.gov is the website to report that. That's the letter I, the letter C, the number three, IC3.gov. Or you can phone 1-800-CALL-FBI. That's the National FBI hotline. 1-800-CALL-FBI. And we've been speaking with Spencer Evans. He's the special agent in charge at the Las Vegas division of the FBI. And Spencer, I want to thank you so much for being here and letting us know about these new scams. I personally, I know a lot about scams, or I thought I did, but I've never heard of the pig butchering scam before. I've heard, you know, variations of it, but, you know, you've brought a lot of really good eye-opening information to us today. And I really appreciate you being here, spreading the word and letting us know more about it. So thank you so much for your time today. Oh, my pleasure, Heather. This is McGruff the Crime Dog with an important message. Before you think about buying counterfeit products, think again. You're smart. Buy smart. Go for real. Learn more at McGruffPSA.org. This message is brought to you by the United States Patent and Trademark Office and the National Crime Prevention Council. I'm Heather Vale, and this is the Odyssey Las Vegas Public Affairs Show. Joining me is Dr. Lanisha T. Adams, Student Wellness Center Director at Santa Fe Community College and award-winning author of the book, Me Power, which redefines empowerment and pushes us to be our best. Dr. Adams, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. So what inspired you to write this book, Me Power? I have always been bothered by this word, empower because we take it for granted and it's so overused. I have a background in applied linguistics. And so I started kind of digging at the word from an etymological standpoint, looking at the history of it, how often it's been used. And I came across something really interesting. I found that it's traditionally defined as granting power to others. And yet the word isn't supposed to mean that. You're not supposed to just give your power away. So I was really motivated to understand empowerment how it's been defined traditionally, what is motivating these misconceptions underlying the word, which has to do with power. And then I wanted to offer a new definition, a redefinition of this overused version. Okay. And what's your new definition? New definition is me power, which I define as self-knowledge and principled action in five key ways. 
And I, I want to say, you know, when we think about empower, receiving power from somebody, it really has to do with three misconceptions. The first is this idea that power is finite and can be distributed among individuals based on status or rank. The second misconception is that we need external approval. And the third is this idea of a zero-sum game where my win means your loss. So when one party, quote-unquote, gains power, the opposite party loses. And so this new definition is needed because these misconceptions underlie that, right? Like if we're thinking about power as I need this versus someone else, then we're constantly in a, like a battle position. And so me power really shifts that thinking where we become the active agent that create the change we want to see. We're not waiting for somebody to quote unquote, give it to us. Yeah. Okay. Now, your website says Me Power is more than a book, but an attitude, a mindset, and a call to action that urges people to unlock their limitless power of positive change. So how is it a call to action, and how does it help people unlock their own limitless power? Yeah, absolutely. So I think this idea of it being a call to action is, I've been talking so far about self-knowledge like an individual, you know, like what we're doing on the inside. And I think that idea is very important and so powerful, but we also have to think about ourselves and how we're moving through the world in relation to the actual social world because we can't build a better one on our own. And because we can't do it alone, we really need to know, well, who are we and how are we showing up? And then how is that impacting other people? So one call to action that I, especially right now, because it's American Heart Month and it's so important, is that people should really know CPR, you know, and three out of four cardiac arrests are occurring at home and less than 10% of people who have a sudden cardiac arrest at home survive. And, you know, the American Heart Association, they really emphasize hand compressions and the hand compressions are to like a beat of songs that are really popular, 100 to 120 beats per minute. And so it's really just thinking about, well, you know, who am I? How am I showing up? And then how can I better the world in some way? And so we can, you know, kind of pick that apart. But I think learning CPR, having knowledge about it is very impactful because it could help save somebody's life. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Now, speaking of that, you had a cardiac arrest, spent two weeks in the ICU, and you were caring for your family, including two toddlers and running a business afterwards, and you still finished your book that same year. How on earth did you fit all that in and overcome that situation? (laughs) (laughs) I'm only laughing. We're both laughing because you're like, what? Like, what what? kind of weird story is this? So yeah, so almost two years to the day, I survived this sudden cardiac arrest. The story is, you know, this DC sports team won and pizza is really popular in my house with my sons and my husband. So he went to go buy a pizza. I sat down on the couch to close my eyes. And a week later, I woke up in the ICU. Now, when I first came to, I thought, where are my babies? And also I'm on a deadline for my publisher and I need to get out of here. Whoa. (laughs) (laughs) So like that, that was like my, I'm not even kidding. Like that was my immediate idea. But I, you know, I managed to survive because my husband, he's CPR certified. And even though he never performed it on a person until then, he saved me. And, you know, I had an amazing team of first responders. The team in the ICU kept me alive while I was in a coma for a week. And then I spent the next week learning how to walk again and get everything back on board to get out. Cause I'm not kidding. Like I was so driven by this notion 
I have to see my children. Like I couldn't see them. They couldn't come to the hospital. This was during Omicron, you know, and yeah, I, I really think I was able to finish the book because of some of the ideas that I'm writing about. But this, this idea, like you have personal agency, right? So I'm so driven. I'm so motivated. I know who I am. I'm a very agentic person. But then I also would never be able to be where I am right now without those team of people, right? I list, I mean, I think in total, it's like 30, 40 people, right? Once you count all the doctors, the emergency responders, the nurses who help keep me well. And so I, I really want to encourage this idea that, you know, this kind of redefinition of empowerment is, is really individual and collective, right? So we first have to know who we are, how we're moving, and then how that impacts other people in our social world. And we can be on the receiving end of something great from like amazing people, which I am a huge testament to. Yeah. Wow. I can just imagine what was going through your husband's mind when he comes back with the pizza and you're just lying there unresponsive. I mean, the fact that he knew CPR, obviously that is a huge positive in this situation. But how did he even know that it was a heart attack? Well, okay. So he did it. So he was telling me the story, you know, later he says he walked into the house, he went to the kitchen, he put the pizza on the stove. And then he was getting plates and he was about to, you know, set it up for the kids to eat. And then he saw me and he was talking to me and I wasn't responding. He's like, oh, that's weird. And then he went to the couch and on the couch, I was lying there non-responsive. And my son, my three-year-old son was right next to me. And my one-year-old was in a crib taking a nap. And so he saw me non-responsive and then he started panicking. And then he said, oh, crap, I have to call 911. And then when he called 911, they asked him two questions. He's like... I know CPR. I got to do CPR. Uh, what do I do for breathing? And they, they emphasize, just focus on hand compressions and get your hand immediately on her heart. Keep it, it with that 120 beats per minute. Keep it going like this. And so he was able to do that. And then things got really crazy when the first responders came and they had to shock me back and I wasn't coming back. And my three-year-old son, when he saw them and all these people in our house, he freaked out. And so then my husband's having to restrain the three-year-old and then, you know, it's kind of a, a crazy scene there. But, but yeah, he was surprised that he took such quick action because he was like, this is a normal, I don't know what to do. And he, he said he started freaking out. But then once he talked to the 911 operator, he was able to calm down and kind of go through the process. Wow. Wow. That's such an awesome story. And that definitely emphasizes what you were talking about, the importance of you know, learning CPR is one piece of it, but learning how to help and how to respond in an emergency, especially during American Heart Month. Now, obviously, there's a lot in your book. So where can people go if they want, first of all, more information about you, about the book, maybe start on their own powerful journey or even get a copy of the book, Me Power? Absolutely. You can go to my website, lanisha.com. I'm excited to extend a special offer to listeners where they can have a 25% discount using the code AUDIO for any items available on sale. I also have a free chapter if you want to peek at it before you dip your toe in. And the book is also available in libraries around the country. So check it out, you know, request it from your library too. I'm, I'm a big supporter of public institutions. So I wanted to say that. But yeah, thank you so much, Heather. 
Awesome. Okay. So Lanisha.com is the website. It's spelled L-A-N-Y-S-H-A.com, Lanisha.com. It's her first name. And we have been speaking with Dr. Lanisha T. Adams. She's the author of Me Power, as well as a student center director at Santa Fe Community College, longtime educator, Lanisha.com. And use the promo code AUDIO to get a 25% discount on any of the book packages there audio. You can also download a free chapter or find the book at your local library. And Lanisha, I want to thank you so much for being here today and walking us through your journey, letting us know how it changed your vision and how your book can change other people's vision for a new definition of empowerment. So I really appreciate your time here today. Thank you so much. Thank you. Don't you wish your life came with a warning app? That dog does not want to be petted. Well, life doesn't always give you time to change the outcome, but pre-diabetes does. Take the one-minute test today at doihadprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. I'm Heather Vale with the Odyssey Las Vegas Public Affairs Show, and this is your community events calendar for nonprofit initiatives and charity events around the Valley. February is National Heart Month, and the Children's Heart Foundation, along with Clark County Commissioners, invite you to a special sign lighting and ceremony at the Welcome to Fabulous Las Vegas sign this Tuesday, February 27th at 2 p.m. Show love to the heart kids as Vegas goes red for Heart Month by turning the iconic sign lights red for the day. That's this Tuesday, February 27th at 2 p.m. February is also Black History Month, and the Las Vegas Natural History Museum is celebrating with a new exhibit called Resilience through this Thursday, February 29th, and they're open daily from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. Resilience is a community-created cultural exhibition and museum-created historical exploration of scientific contributions from influential African Americans. Find out more or get tickets at lvnhm.org. That stands for Las Vegas Natural History Museum, lvnhm.org. February is also National Library Lovers Month, and the Las Vegas Clark County Library District is celebrating with their annual Library Lovers Month giveaway. Pick up your free Vegas Golden Knights player bookmarks at any branch of the Las Vegas Clark County Library District. Then use your library card number to enter for a chance to win a pair of Vegas Golden Knights tickets or an exclusive VGK 2023 World Champions t-shirt. You can get a free library card at any of the 25 neighborhood branches or online at thelibrarydistrict.org. That's thelibrarydistrict.org. Registration for the 2024-25 school year of the nonprofit Kids Co-op Preschool opens February 28th and continues until classes are full. Book a tour of the facilities or find out more information at kidscoop.org. That's K-I-D-S-C-O-O-P dot org, kidscoop dot org. Monday's Dark with Mark Chinook is a bi-monthly musical fundraising party at The Space, with each event raising $10,000 for a specific charity in 90 minutes. Upcoming shows include Monday, March 4th at 8 p.m., benefiting Living Grace Homes, and Monday, March 18th at 8 p.m., benefiting the Collaboration Center. Get tickets or find out more details at mondaysdark.com. That's mondaysdark.com. 
The Nevada State Contractors Board is hosting the fourth annual Hammers and Hope event on Friday, March 8th from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. at College of Southern Nevada's Whitley Lounge, 3200 East Cheyenne Avenue in North Las Vegas. Held during National Women in Construction Week, this free event is geared towards highlighting construction industry career opportunities for women. It features panel discussions, mentorship opportunities, and a career fair. Find out more details at nscb.nv.gov. That stands for Nevada State Contractors Board, nscb.nv.gov. The 6th Annual Walk for Friendship Las Vegas Fundraiser Walk and Community Carnival is happening Sunday, April 7th with check-in at 10 a.m., walk at 11 a.m., and carnival at noon at Las Vegas Sports Park, 1400 North Rampart Boulevard. Support the Friendship Circle's efforts to provide social and recreational opportunities for children and young adults with disabilities. Find out more or register at walkforfriendshiplv.com. That's the number four, walkforfriendshiplv.com. And Make-A-Wish Southern Nevada's holding their 22nd annual Walk for Wishes fundraising event on World Wish Day, Saturday, April 27th, with 8 a.m. registration and the walk and run starting at 8.30 a.m. at Town Square, Las Vegas. Make-A-Wish chapters and affiliates across the globe come together each year to celebrate World Wish Day, the anniversary of the wish that inspired the founding of Make-A-Wish back in 1980. You can join in the celebration of more than 550,000 wishes that have already been granted while raising funds for future wishes. Sign up or find out more information at wish.org slash snv slash walk. That's wish.org slash snv slash walk. Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.